you're listening to This Nazarene Life, stories of young Nazarene clergy and their role models. This episode is sponsored by the Nazarene Student Center at the University of Oklahoma. Committed to sharing Christ's love with the students at OU, the OUNSC is meeting them wherever they are. For more information about the Nazarene Student Center at the University of Oklahoma or to have them come speak to your group, visit OUNSC.org or search for them on social media at the OUNSC. Today on the podcast, we have Pastor Lucy Kimani from University Church at Africa Nazarene University, currently on leave studying at Nazarene Theological Seminary. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Britt Bullerjack, and I'm here with my guest, Lucy Kimani. Welcome to the show. Thank you. You're welcome. So the first question I ask everybody is, how did you end up in the Church of the Nazarene? That's an interesting question. Uh, I got into the Church of the Nazarene in a very interesting way. I was formerly working and serving with Africa Indian Church, and I served with them as a missionary. When I went to the mission field uh, in 2006, I felt I needed to get more empowered or get more education. And I decided to look for school. And a friend of mine had come to look for school at ANU and he did not get admitted at the school. So I tried my luck and I got admitted at ANU. Which is Africa Nazarene University. Africa Nazarene University. And when I was there, I needed a church to start attending uh, for my practicals every Sunday. And there was uh, the closest church, the closest African Indian church was like um, probably like a half an hour drive. And I wasn't ready to do that. So I talked to my pastors back at home and I told them, hey, I need a church. And I'm thinking I'll be going to Church of Nazarene. And they were like, fine. So I started going there and close to i think after like one year my pastor back at home told me you are very gifted and god has called you but you know very well that in the aic church we don't ordain women and we may be limited in the in the place for you to serve in the church and so by the time i was coming to finish my undergraduate i I kind of knew the Lord was calling me to serve with a church that would give me an opportunity to serve. And so I talked to my pastors and I told them, I think I found a place and they blessed me. I went to church, they prayed for me and they released me to serve with the Church of Nazarene. Wow. Since 2009. So tell me about your original call to be a pastor. How did you, how did you end up feeling like that's what you were supposed to do? Huh. This began when I was, um, I think 14 years, I gave my life to Christ when I was 10. And I, I don't have pastors in my family, you know, my, my parents, my grandparents or great grandparents. I don't know anyone who was a pastor. But when I was 14, I was kind of, um, I was interested in ministry because how I came to know the Lord, we had some people coming to our area and they were doing one-on-one evangelism. And there was a lady who spoke to me. She was called Esther. I've never seen her since then. And she talked to me about Jesus. And 
I would go with them to be like their tour guide. And one day I told I told her, when I grow up, I want to be like you. I want to be telling people about Jesus. And she told me, you can actually start telling people about Jesus now. So I started talking to people about Jesus before I made a commitment to follow Christ. Anyway, in the process, I gave my life to Christ. And deep down in my heart, I just wanted to grow up and tell people about God's love. And when I was 14, I was at a church and we were praying. It was like an all-night prayer meeting. When I was praying, there was so much noise outside that I could hear. And I walked out and there was a group of young people outside near like the washroom. And in my community, young people would come to church just to be nasty and to do to meet one another. And, you know, and there was um, a heaviness in my heart that there could be so many like this who are lost and they don't even know why they go to church. They don't even know, you know, anything about God and they are just lost. And I was like, hmm, a good thought. Let me go back and pray for them. So I went inside and I started praying for those guys that were outside. And I had a voice telling me, just praying for this one is not the answer. Someone needs to go out and reach out to them. And I want you to be the one talking to people about my love, about talking to young people about my love. And I was like, no way. I can't do ministry. I am, that won't work. So anyway, by the time I graduated from high school, I knew God had called me to full-time ministry, but I played a trick with God. So I decided to do it like um, once in a while during holidays in August, in April, um, December, going out for missions. But then, and I would talk to my friend and convince myself that, you know, I can support missions. I can work and do a regular job, be a doctor. I wanted to be a nurse. So do, join Medicine World and use my money to support people to go out for missions. And at some point, God said, no. If everyone sends their money, who will go? I need people who can go. And so uh, I was... The Lord kind of said, I want you to go. And I decided, no, I'm not going anywhere. So I kind of stayed away from church for nine months because I didn't want to be in full-time ministry. And God kind of closed all doors for me to join medical school. <laughs> and I didn't have opportunities to study anything else. So I was very frustrated and stayed away from church for nine months. And I just didn't want to be involved in church. Mm. And my pastor had already sensed and seen God was directing me to to that and one time in church they were praying for people with a calling to missions and they said if you've ever had God calling you would you raise your hand and pray for you so I raised my hand and in the whole church I was the only one so I put my hand down immediately and but my pastor noticed me and they started wow. working with me and after that I just came back and they told me you know what why don't you go and do a three-month training on missions and I was like that sounds nice and when I was in the missionary college doing the three months training, the Lord called me and I enrolled for a two-year program. It was um, a diploma in cross-cultural studies. Hmm. So from there, my life changed and I started being in full-time ministry. <laughs> so where did you go from there? You went... I went to the missionary college. It's called Africa Center for Missions. Got trained as a missionary and I served in Kenya, in northeastern Kenya. Mm. I served in DRC Congo mm. for eight months. 
And after that, the church sent me to work among the Maasai's and uh, the closed communities. No more details. Wow. <laughs> in in some place um, in Kenya. So I served there and I did chaplaincy work at a girls' school. Uh, it's a school that deals with kids who have been rescued from early marriages. Mm. So I served there as a as a as a missionary and as a as a chaplain. So working with them, and there was a child care center for children with disabilities. So I did those kind of ministries and served with the church, and um, so I did that until now. The time I was coming to ANU in two thousand and nine to to continue with my education. But in my mission work, I am mostly focused on young people, like helping those who have a call to serve and those who are just lost and they don't know where how to find their purpose. Mm. And so that has been my passion, just reaching out to young people who have a calling to serve God in whatever capacity, but they don't know how to get there mm. and just walking with them. So you're at ANU and took... A chaplain position, or or what was the timeline there? Okay, <laughs> at ANU in two thousand and nine, I started doing my undergraduate. I did a bachelor of arts in Christian ministries, and when I was there, I went to ANU and decided I want to be a regular student. I don't want to talk. I'm not a pastor here. I'm uh-huh. just going to be quiet and take a back seat in everything. You know, I think when the Lord marks you for something, you can never remove the mark. So I would talk to my fellow students and tell them how God loves them. And if someone makes a decision to follow Christ, I would tell them, you know what, go see the chaplain and tell them you gave your life to Christ and to help you from there. Because I just didn't want to be involved. I wanted to just be a student. Somehow the chaplain then would ask them, so who is this? And they were like, there's a freshman who is sharing Christ with a lot of students. And so the story kept going. And I was asked to join uh, the mentorship program for mm. ANU. So I became one of the student mentors there and continued serving and doing all kinds of things. I got elected in the student leadership for the Christian Union. And I served there, went for missions in high school. So I stopped being the undercover student and I was all over doing ministry. So I did quite a lot when I was a student. Um, We would go to high schools and do like all weekend of evangelism and discipleship. Then I did mentorship for high schools. I did ministries in churches and different things when I was a student. And by the time I was coming to graduate from ANU, I, I prayed and my desire was to go to... To the mission field, and I wanted to go to some country, you know, in the Middle East and serve there as a missionary. But the Lord said, no, I want you to work at ANU. And I was like, no, I don't want to work at ANU. I am ready to go join the mission field. But the Lord has his own way. And before I graduated from ANU, I was asked by the vice chancellor if I would be willing to join staff at ANU. Mm. So... Before my graduation, I started working there as a chaplain at the university, at the university in the city campus. And at the same time, I had already joined staff when I was a student. I had already joined staff at the university church, working with gift mm. and did ministry there. Helped with compassionate ministry. I became the secretary of a church board. Wow! I think I've served almost in every area <laughs> in the university church until now. My last was to be the associate pastor at the university church. 
And what is that? What is that like? Tell me about it. What it's like to be the associate pastor at University Church in at Africa Nazarene University. It just means doing everything a pastor does. <laughs> uh, I got I got my license from the my local license, and then I got my district license. I've been holding my district license for like uh, this is my fifth year. Yeah, it means because I'm more administrative in nature. Well, I preach, I do pulpit ministry, and but I'm also very administrative. Mm. So I would plan the services. That was like under me. I would plan all the services, do a lineup, who is doing call to worship, who is praying, who is preaching, and communicating with all these people before they're coming. And I would also coordinate with the other ministries, mm. the, you know, Compassionate Ministry, NMI, Nazarene Mission International, and... Uh, children ministry and all the ministries in the church I would like be the contact person knowing what is happening there the needs in those ministries and what needs to be done I would also work with our church admin to know what needs are there in the community who needs to be visited Mm. uh, the sick that we have in our church and what needs to happen and I worked with an amazing pastor Um, Gift was my co-pastor and so we would like work hand in hand, he would get to deal with the preachers, I would deal with the service. And we would divide our work and know who is dealing with Sunday schools and who is dealing with the outside ministry, like outside the church and those kind of things. So um, my work is mostly was mostly to coordinate with all the ministries in the church. And of course, when uh, gift was away, I would step in as a pastor I would do the normal things that a pastor does. I would preach um, at least once every month. That's at least. It depends. <laughs> Anything could happen. You could call a preacher and they don't show up. So you have to be the one preaching. Oh, wow. So or whatever different things that would be happening. And then if gift is out to go to, to school because he, he's been a student, I would be left like a whole month or two months running the church. And... I was in the church board, so mm. just helping in making decisions and making sure that there are, the church is running and working closely with the board members. And I, because I, I have a heart for missions, I kind of worked very closely with NMI, Nazarene mm. Mission International. Just knowing what is happening, I was in their council and just giving them directions in the things that I think God has helped me to experience and learn in my time as a missionary. Mm. And I I love working with children and their preteens and teenagers. So I, I I would go I would go to their classes and teach there once in a while and you know, just general ministry and discipleship for our members is what I would do. That's amazing. What what do you feel like was your favorite part or parts? What did you enjoy doing the most? What I enjoyed most is being with our young people, like the, the, the preteens and the teens, just going to their class and having girl talks with them. Because I'm passionate about girls, and I would go sit down with them and just talk about my life with them and the decisions I've made. Some of them have not been very good and how God helped me get out of them and what they can learn from that. And... The times that I really miss was when I would sit down with those young women and those upcoming young women. They're still very young girls. When I would sit with them and talk to them and have conversations with them, answer their questions and and kind of disciple them and guide them. 
Mm. That gave me a lot of joy. But then I also found a lot of strength and joy in the pulpit, preaching. <laughs> I'm not those charismatic kind of a preacher. I'm more of a teaching type. And I would enjoy just preparing a sermon and standing there to, and listening to God and having to tell the church what the Lord is telling us and where the Lord is leading us and seeing people respond. That kind of helped me feel I'm doing what the Lord called me to do. And um, I think it was fun for me to just be in charge of a whole service and plan for the whole year and do the whole programs. Mm. And, you know, I would sit down and, you know, my co-pastor would come to church and he's like, what's happening today? I'm like, (laughs) I have everything laid out and I know what is going on. I know what is happening every Sunday. And you would wake me up at midnight and I can tell you what is happening uh, two Sundays or even a month down the line. That kind of gave me a lot of joy. And I, I also enjoy seeing people grow. We, I've seen a lot of people from our church kind of coming up and embracing leadership. When I joined University Church, we had lots of students, ANU students in church leadership, and they would transition because students would graduate. And we didn't have people from the community. So we started community outreach to bring people in to the church. And um, when they came, now helping them to embrace the church and see it like it's it's not just another student program. This is a normal church where everybody is welcome and transitioning from having students taking leadership and having people from the community taking leadership. I think those that, that was... Uh, one of my exciting moments when I sat one day in the board and we didn't have a student. Wow. You know, it was just people from the community. And the only person, youth we had represented in the board was the only student, but also belonged in the community. Mm. It's it's not someone who will graduate and leave the community and just go. And I think that has been my greatest joy to see the church growing to a point of having the community own the church. Mm. There are many things I can say that have um, have excited me and have have made me feel I want to continue serving the Lord as I've seen the Lord moving and helping University Church grow. I, I think there's just so much that the Lord has done in the last five years, a lot of transition and growth in numbers and uh, people growing as leaders. And, Mm. you know, we can have someone who is not a pastor doing a whole Sunday school for a month and we don't need to supervise them. I think that's something great. And uh, you could see someone coming up and saying, hey, pastor, I feel like the Lord is leading me to do this. How can you guys support me so that I can start a a children program? Uh, We have one of our members who came and said, I feel the Lord leading me to do a Saturday program for our kids. And I just need your support. And for me, it's amazing to see people coming and responding to to being involved in the church and to also the call to serve God. That has that has kind of made me feel I'm confident to leave university church and go to school because we have people who can take up leadership. So uh, probably a lot of people listening to this podcast have mm-hmm. never been to Africa Nazarene University. How mm-hmm. would you describe University Church? Is it on campus? What are the services like there? Can you just tell us, talk to us about the church itself? Okay. Uh, University Church is housed within ANU, okay. like in one of our chapel, the oldest chapel at ANU. And um, it's we have a membership of around 300. Oh, wow. 
but we have like uh, regularly we would get like between 300 and 500 people in attendance wow our largest ministry is a children ministry i can proudly say that because <laughs> we have like between 80 and 100 kids who come to church wow that's awesome it's huge so on a normal sunday service we have we would start with sunday school uh, for all our classes we have adult sunday school and adult has two parts of it because we have the English and Swahili, because we have people oh. from our community who don't speak English. Wow. And so we started a service for those people to meet that need of uh, the Swahili speakers. We want to embrace them. We want them to be able to come to the university church. And initially when we began, it was seen to be like um, an elite church, you oh. know, with the people who have a class and they speak English and those kind of things. Mm. But then we wanted to be able to reach our community. So yeah. we started a Swahili, a Swahili Sunday school class mm. for the, for those who don't speak English. Then we have the English su- Sunday school class. So the Swahili would have like uh, an attendance every Sunday of like uh, 10 to 15 people. Mm. The regular English would have, more or less the same. At times it can go even to 20. It depends. Yeah. Uh, then we have the youth class. Mm. We have a youth a youth Sunday school class. And we have a teens class. And a preteen class. And a children's class. <laughs> so those are so many classes that we have. And all of them would meet on a Sunday morning. And we would also have a membership class. Mm. On Sunday mornings. So that's what would happen between 9.30 and 10.30 in the morning. Mm. We would have prayers at 9, between 9 and 9.30. Then after that, we start with Sunday school classes. Then after that, we transition to the main service. So we do the service. And then after worship, after singing, we release our kids to go to their church. So the kids go to their church, and then we are left with the sermon. When we're done with the service, then we would share a cup of tea and bread together, just for fellowship and getting to know one another. Well, now, after the service, at times the youth, the youth will meet for their normal fellowship. Uh, or maybe we have the women meeting or the, the men meeting or whichever ministry meeting. Um, that's on the Sunday. In the week, we have Wednesday Bible study. It's more like, yeah, I don't want to call it a service, but it's a Bible study. So mm-hmm. we have Bible study on Wednesdays. Uh, between 5, 5.30 and 6 in the evening. And it's open for everyone, even the students from the from the, from ANU. They also come for Bible study. The women usually meet on Saturdays for their programs. The women fellowship meet on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. The men would meet for breakfast meetings. Mm-hmm. Men are men. They may not get all the time. So they meet to eat <laughs> and they meet to fellowship. Sure. But they would meet like 7 in the morning up oh, to wow. 8 before they go for their businesses. Um, mm. Once in a while, we would have a mixed meeting for couples mm-hmm. or for, yeah, for couples to just talk about different things. At the university church, we have people of different backgrounds. Mm. We have people who are highly educated. Mm. Like they are, they are professors at ANU. They hold their PhDs and they're well educated. Wow. Then we have ANU students who are who could be master's student or undergraduate student or certificate student, depending. Mm-hmm. So we have that group. Then we have high school students. Mm. Then we have people who have not gone to school. 
and they're the ones who don't understand English. Mm. So what that means for us as as pastors and as the leadership of a church, we have to make sure that our services meet all these needs. Because we do one service for all of them. Mm. So our sermons are translated to Swahili for preaching, one uh, preaching in English and another one in Swahili. At the same time? Yes. Like, uh, okay, so you could be the main speaker and uh-huh. I'm translating for you in Swahili. So whatever you're saying, I translate it in uh... Swahili. So is the whole service bilingual then? Not the whole service uh, because the songs, most of the world makes the songs, we do Swahili and English and but uh. then we have them projected so they can read and they can flow with the songs. But the sermons must be translated. Mm. Yeah, we must have a Swahili, someone speaking in Swahili for the sermons because we want everyone to understand. Uh, for the Sunday school classes, they are taught in their languages. We have Swahili and we have English, both meeting in diff- different places. And usually we try to have the same thing running through all our Sunday school classes. Mm. Like if we are talking mm. about prayer, every class is talking about prayer. If we are focusing on a certain book of the Bible, everyone is focusing on the same. So, but then we do trainings for our teachers, for our Sunday school teachers together. Ah. Uh, we train them and just prepare them to know the direction the church is headed for a particular season. And what we do is we have a theme every month for the church. So, like, let's say this month our focus is on giving. So, all the summons for the month will be on giving. Mm. And then we'll try to have our classes be taught in that line. But it, it also depends with the dis- different seasons we have for the church calendar. Because mm. if it's Advent, then we want people to be talking about Advent right. <laughs> in their classes. So um, we will respect those church calendars. But then we have other themes running. Like we would say in January, our theme is on, uh, we are talking about a new beginning. Mm. So whoever is looking for someone would look for someone that relates to that. Yeah. Um, in this year, we focused mostly on on our identity of, as a church of Nazarene. So mm. we'll talk about being missional. What does it mean to be a missional church? What does it mean to be a holiness church? So we would talk about those themes. And so, so we would plan like a yearly calendar of the different things that we're focusing on and different topics. So wow. it could be, it could run through from talking about holiness this month or talking about Thanksgiving or talking about forgiveness, talking about all those kind of things. Yeah. And so uh, apart from that, the church has other programs. Like, uh, of course, we have the normal uh, ministries that every normal church of a Nazarene should have. We have Nazarene Compassionate Ministry. We have Nazarene Youth International. We have uh, Nazarene Mission International. And we have Sunday School and Discipleship. That's like, like that's a big thing. Because with that, we started something else that we call Carings. It came from uh, one great brother called uh, Dr. David Slump, he came and he talked about care rings. And so we started small families that are called care rings. So you would have like 10 people who are working together and caring for each other and meeting each other's different kinds of needs and doing Bible study together. That's separate from what we do in our Sunday school on Sunday. The care rings are supposed to reach out to each other in the course of a week. But the Sunday schools meet on Sundays. Wow. Yeah. But then we would have like one Sunday 
once in two months we have a Sunday focusing on Sunday school, like we would do our sermons in small groups. Hmm. Like the the preacher will stand and share the scripture, and people will discuss the scripture in their groups during the service. Yes, they oh, raise wow. questions, and they you can. It's a different service where the pastor can answer questions. Yeah, that's, that's the great. only time you can answer questions from your congregation. <laughs> so we divide them into groups, and we just have we talk about. Uh, what the Lord is doing and discuss the scripture. Mm. At times we've done like panels during service. So we have different people seated there and people are just asking questions after we have gone through a series of a theme. At the end of that, let's say we were talking about forgiveness. So at the end of the theme on forgiveness, we have a panel discussion during Sunday, Sunday morning service. And so we're answering questions related to forgiveness. So it depends. We have different kinds of things that happen. But then we also have, um, I don't know what to call it, but it's a, it's a ministry that meets the education need. Because as a Church of Nazarene, we're very passionate about education. Mm. And we're in a community where we are in a, in a mix, mixed community. We are housed at the university that mm-hmm. embraces education. Mm. But then we're in a community where we have people who haven't, who haven't gone to school. And the, the kids are needy and some of the kids have dropped out of school because of school fees and mm. their parents are not able to pay for them. Mm. So we started like a scholarship program and we look for different people who can join hands with us and help us take the kids through school. So we have been paying school fees for some of the kids from our church and yeah, mostly the kids from our church who have not been who have dropped out of school because of lack of school fees. So that's a program that has been running for quite some time now and we have some people just coming in and saying hey we want to partner with you guys in Mm. paying school fees for a certain kid throughout their high school and that has been a blessing to most of our kids now something you need to know about university church okay it has grown this much because of our children Mm. when we started as i said we had mostly it was the students coming to church then we started doing different activities that would draw the kids, and the kids came to church. And the kids went and evangelized to their parents and brought their parents to church. Wow. So we value our children so much. Like, we could give anything for those kids. Because they are our best missionaries, they are our best evangelists to the community where we live. They go and testify of what is happening inside the church or within the church, and they tell their friends, and they tell their parents, and their parents come to church. That's we've awesome. Gone, we've gotten to connect with the community around us through the children. Mm. Of course, some of the children now are university students. They're no longer kids, <laughs> but they're the ones who brought their parents to church, and they're the ones who continue to bring their parents to church. So that's how much we value our children ministry. I love that. Um, so kind of changing gears a little bit, I'd love to hear more about your experience as a woman in ministry. I know you kind of shared sort of a tidbit at the beginning that that's how you sort of ended up in the Church of the Nazarene a little bit. So if you could just kind of share that story. Yeah, I would say it's it's not easy mm. being a woman in ministry and especially being a young woman in ministry. In my culture, being a young woman in ministry and not just young, but not married. Mm. <laughs> it's, it has its own challenges. Back in the days when I was serving in the mission field, I would go to a place and they're wondering, what would this woman who is not married and so young tell us? 
some communities would be a bit harsh on that mm. uh, because you know, in some of the, the African culture, women have not been given that place of leadership. And so some men would struggle having a woman uh, taking leadership or, you know, being in the front. And if you're serving with men with that mentality, many times they don't want to give you a platform. They don't mm. want to give you the pulpit. They want you to remain in the shadows, in their mm. shadows. Mm. And so I suffered that for a long time where I can't just stand and say the Lord is directing me to this because I'm a woman and because I'm a young woman. I mean, I started serving God when I was a teenager and mm. that wasn't easy because in my context, I need to at least grow and get experience and get married and then I can tell people something that oh. they can listen to. That was a great challenge and having people see women as weak and they need to just be treated like eggs and they're going to break the next moment, at times it's not easy because hmm. you have this big heart that the Lord has given so much and you're ready to go give it and everybody is busy protecting you. Hmm. And you're like, can you let me go and the Lord will take care of me and the Lord will protect me? I remember when I was going to the mission field, when I was going to DRC Congo, everyone was just so scared and thinking, you're so young. How would you even go there? And, you know, what would you even tell people? Where do you even start? How do you travel alone as a woman? And I'm thinking, there was another young man who was like two years younger than me from the same church and who we were being sent out. And he went to a different country, I went to a different country, and nobody was worried about him. And he's two years younger than me. Mm. But everyone was worried about me and thinking, you know, I'm fragile or something. And so at times it's, it's, it's just the way the culture is. At times I appreciate that being protected and people, you know, wanting to protect. But at those times you're like, can you let me go? Because I know the Lord has called me and he can help me do this. So it hasn't been like all smooth. You know, people would look at you differently. But I would say times are changing. Mm. Things have really changed. And we now have men who are able to embrace women in ministry. We have churches that are able to embrace women in ministry. And it's still a, a work in progress. We still have some churches here um, and who are still trying to, you know, embrace women in ministry. But for me, uh, apart from the initial stages when I started, when I joined uh, ANU and I joined Church of Nazarene and I started working at the university church, I saw a different world. It was just the most amazing experience for me because nobody ever felt like I was a threat to them or maybe I don't have anything to offer. I had the same opportunities and privileges like my co-pastor had and I would say most of the time the place you have depends on the men around you the men you're working with because mm. if they they present you as their equal then it's easy you know I'm just imagining if one day gift decided to treat me not as his equal but his assistant and do his secretary work and you know type his minutes and do those kind of things that's how the church would have viewed me hmm. but he did not do that and many times people would come to him and say so you're the senior pastor and he's like no I am the lead pastor and this is my co-pastor hmm. I don't I'm not a boss here this is my co-pastor. We work together. Yeah. And at times he would go and he's like, nothing needs to come on a standstill because I'm away. 
continue with the board meetings, continue running the service, offer communion, whatever needs to be done. The church needs to know that there is a pastor in there. And he kind of assured me and pushed me forward. And I came to realize it's not everywhere women are not well treated in ministry. There are places where they are valued. And I, I thank God every day for University Church because even our church board, respected me as one of their pastors mm. there is no time they would say i don't want to talk to you because you're not the pastor i must see the pastor i didn't go through that because the pastor made it clear my co-pastor made it clear when i joined staff that this is my co-pastor if you don't find me or even if i'm there you, anything that i can do lucy can do it perfectly mm. and so that's how we worked and you know you would get those instances where someone comes to you and they they want to like bypass you and go directly and tell gift something because maybe they think i can't do it or i shouldn't and gift will be like have you talked to pastor lucy about this hmm. you know they're sent back to me again and that helped the members know that they don't need gift to be present for things to be done or they don't need gift to be present for their to for for university church to have a pastor yeah so there was never a break or a gap when he left the country or mm. when he was away. He would go on his break and everything would run the same. And I think the, that kind of helped me see what ministry is supposed to be like mm. when we work together with men. Because mm. we shouldn't be having a conflict and a fight. Mm. We're supposed to work together as partners. And my prayer is that every male pastor in ministry who has women working with them would kind of create the same platform where they work together and help the church know we are working together. We are a team. And you can't go tell one pastor something because you think they would do it and the other one wouldn't. We always spoke in the same voice, no matter what. Mm. Even if something is really, you know, pressing us and it's tough, we spoke the same voice. And I think that helped. And Gift would always seek to know my opinion in something. You know, he's trying to make a decision. He wants to know my opinion. I'm making a decision. He wants to know. I want to know his opinion in making a decision on something. And so cons consulting one another and just valuing each other's ministry. Because let me tell you, we are very different. <laughs> the way we do ministry, we are different. Yeah. And women have something to bring into ministry, and so are men. Mm. So we need to know the strengths of each and embrace them and, and bring them to the table for a common good and be able to serve the kingdom together, mm. not as divided parties and fighting all the time and, you know, fighting over power. I never had power struggle at the university church. We worked very well, and I really thank God for that. And I'm hoping that wherever I transition to or wherever I go, I can be able to bring that and I can be a good influence even to others. And I'm also hoping that, you know, a lot of people can learn from the example of Gift, who was willing to give up his, you know, power, if there's anything like that in ministry. He was willing to share it and allow the other pastors to work together. Because we had other pastors. We have our children's pastor and our youth pastor and our worship pastor. We work together as a team, all mm. of us. And that kind of strengthened the ministry of the church and it still does it continues to strengthen the ministry of the church yeah uh, this is gift this the pastor there at university church yes he is the lead pastor at the university church i wouldn't call him the senior pastor because he would not be happy about that 
So I would say he's the lead pastor at the university church. So kind of tell me how it worked, how, how co-pastoring was, I, I guess, divided up, how, how you supported each other and how that dynamic worked out. What made it easy for us was we kind of got to know each other. And of course, we developed a friendship and a relationship as ministers. And he got to know my strengths. I got to know his strengths. And so he would place me at the area of my strength because I'm administrative. Mm. He allowed me to run the services. Wow. He allowed me to do the planning of the services because he knew that was my strength. And he is very good in preaching and in following up on, on other details of the church. And mm. he did that very well. And of course, he has a wealth of wisdom and experience. One, he's older than me. Two, he has been in ministry longer. So he he brought that wisdom and we kind of came together and I don't think there is anyone who had power. We seemed like we just appreciated the giftings and the strength of each other. Mm. If I failed in something or I felt I'm weak in doing something, I would always go to him and say, hey, I don't think I'm able to do this. And he would tell me, you try and when you're not able to, I'll help you. Mm. So we will still do it together. And we kind of complimented each other because my personality, I'm not the kind who will be standing at the door and greeting everyone that is coming in. Mm. Well, people think that what that what pastors are supposed to be like and they're supposed to be this super social and, you know, standing at the door and greeting every member coming in. Yeah. That's not my strength. Mm. And Gift knew that. So he would do it. He would be the one standing at the door and greeting people as they come in. As I'm inside running and planning things and organizing <laughs> and making sure that the, the church looks good and everything is organized for the service. Yeah. That's an example of how we would divide this. Because someone needs to be welcoming the members. But then someone else needs to make sure that things are done in the service and things are running and everything is planned. So we would like, uh, I would know in, in a service, we need someone who will be busy talking to people and engaging people and, you know, relating with people and and dealing with you know, people on that level. But then there's, we need someone who is doing the planning. Mm. Now, when we go for a meeting, because him and I would not be elected in the church board, I think according, naturally, it's only the lead pastor who sits in the board. The associate pastor or the, the assistant pastor doesn't sit in the church board. Mm. But in our case, it was different. We both sat in the church board. So we are like co-chairing. <laughs> You know, it's not directly co-chairing, but I'm there to support and I'm there to give my opinion. And so what would happen is I'm the the detailed kind. And if we have, let's say, we have a need presented, let's say, for example, through a compassionate ministry. Okay. A need is presented to us and we need to respond and we need to help. Yep. And gift will be like, sure, let's help. I mean, it's a good thing to help. And I'll be like, so let's get to know this person do we why are we helping them <laughs> you know what is the real need here is the need giving the money or do we need to look into it more and see what else we need to do i'm the questioning type mm. he's the gracious type <laughs> <laughs> so even when it came to like a church discipline that we are dealing with mm. i would be the one coming to tell you what is wrong and you need to change and everything and he will be the gracious type who comes to heal after you have been confronted. You understand <laughs> the picture? So both of us have that strength because I am very direct and I can go head on on an issue. 
he is very gracious. He ha- he has such a beautiful heart as a pastor. <laughs> so he will come as a pastor and heal that. Yeah. And so we would always say that I come to like you know like uh, when you're cleaning the wound you just scrub it and make it look like it's being cleaned and then he comes and soothes it. <laughs> that was like our strength both of us. So we realized um both of us have that strength and uh somehow we just need to learn how to work with each other and how to appreciate those strengths because they're needed in the church we need someone who can ask the hard questions mm. and we need someone who can pastor people and not ask questions when they need to be mentored to or they need to be discipled or they need to be helped mm. so in that way we were able to complement each other and i think it's just getting to know each other but i would say what helped us is that we were not just colleagues we were partners in ministry and we were also friends like if i was struggling with something i can go to gift and tell him if he's struggling with a thought or something in the, to do with the church he he knew he could come to me and we could work through it together i had his back he had my back mm. and that was the best way to work it's 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 a grace that only god can give mm. to two people coming from different backgrounds i mean we both come from different countries actually because gift come from zimbabwe and i come from kenya mm-hmm. and both of us are sam- serving in the same church you can imagine if um, what the other hostility would come is the fact that i'm a single woman and he's a married man mm. and both of us have to come together and work together yeah and have an understanding and and the respect and the trust of our members so that we can still live a, a, a life that can't be questioned by anyone as mm. pastors yeah and so all that but i think it was the most beautiful experience for me cuz we were not questioned i can confidently say that <laughs> we would go out and visit our members we would go out and do ministry together and we we were able to do that in a way that glorified god and also um empowered one another mm. and one thing i appreciate about uh being at the university church is because i joined there when i was a bit young and i needed a pastor who could believe in me and who could trust if i said the lord is speaking to me in a certain direction they can actually listen and someone who has a different level of understanding of ministry that wouldn't just be you know you're a woman what would you be telling me you know mm. that kind of a thing but someone who is open to listen to god and that's what i got mm. So tell me about that transition. How did you end up wanting to go to NTS in Kansas City? Huh. Um when I was back in Kenya, as you've heard, my life was just about church. And I had a lot of things going at the university church. But then I was also a chaplain at the university, I mean at the, at African Nazarene University. That's now a whole lot of things. <laughs> and it means something totally different because it's a, it's a, it's a job from it's a job from monday through through friday and at times saturday and at times sunday it depends <laughs> and and the job was very tasking you have like i was in in our city campus we have like uh, between 15000 1500 and 2000 students wow and all those students are required to attend chapel and we have both regular students and evening students mm. i would plan chapel services 
for the day students and for the evening students. So at times I would have chapel running every single day or at least three or four times in a week. Wow. And so that means preaching, that means praying for people, that means just many things. And I also did a lot of counseling for students and because it's easy for students to walk to a chaplain when they're going through a hard time and they want prayers or even a staff member. So that kind of kept me going. And I coordinated the mentorship program for ANU now as a staff, not as a student. Wow. And that was now another thing. We had uh, partnerships where we partner with other organizations to mentor their high school kids. So that was like so much for me. So university church and being at ANU as a chaplain and coordinating the mentorship program, which is now another huge program for ANU. And all these things I was doing, I was very excited and I can easily get caught up in all this and forget myself. So I think at some point I forgot to leave (laughs) as a pastor and I forgot to leave and I got overwhelmed by everything and I started getting burnout Hmm. and I needed a break. Yeah. And if I didn't take a break, I think I would have quit my job or something. Then I knew that a time was coming for me to transition into missions because when the Lord called me to serve at the university church and to serve at, at, at the university at ANU, I knew it was for some time mm. before I transitioned to going back to the mission field. Mm. And the time was coming and I could sense that. But then the Lord was like, you need to first take a break from everything and be in an environment where you're not giving where you're receiving. Mm. And I can't get that in Kenya. I mean, I'll be staying at home and someone will call me. Can you come do a mentorship training for this or something? And so I couldn't get that break. Mm. And so when I was contemplating and thinking and praying through it, um, the Lord spoke to me about going to school. And I was like, I'm not ready for school. I just graduated with a master's last year from ANU Mm. and I wasn't ready for school. But then I decided, okay, fine, let me try, but I'll just do another master's. I won't do a PhD or anything beyond master's. So I applied to Asbury Theological Seminary. Oh. And I got accepted at Asbury to go do a master's in theological studies. Wow. And I was ready with everything, my paperwork. I got the I-20 and I was ready to actually go apply for my visa and everything. Then a student from NTS came to speak at ANU. He came for the youth conference and when he spoke and we invited him to speak at the the university church. Hmm. And he talked about NTS. And when I took him for lunch, because that's what pastors do after the service, (laughs) you take your guest speaker for for a meal or something. Uh We started talking about NTS. Hmm. And so... Uh, he told me many things and I got excited and I, I told him I've actually been accepted at Asbury and I'll be joining um, 2016 January and he said no way you can't go to Asbury you must come to NTS and so uh, from that point I started getting communication from NTS and within no time within like two three weeks I had applied at NTS and I talked to a deputy vice chancellor who who went to NTS now he's called Professor Reed. Mm. He came here. This He's a graduate of NTS. And he told me, with the way the Lord is leading you and the way you've been serving in the church and at ANU, I think it will be good for you to go to NTS. You will get to interact with the church. Mm. And you will get to know more about the Church of Nazarene that you've been serving with. And so he kind of sweet-talked me <laughs> to me to NTS. 
And I'm glad I made the choice. So mm. I applied to NTS and I knew I was coming here on a break mm. to be refilled and refreshed. And after this, I'm waiting to hear whether the Lord wants me to go back to ANU or want me to go to the mission field. Mm. I'm still not sure. He's quiet about that because he wants me to rest and not worry about tomorrow and where I will go after this. But I'm still an employee of ANU because I didn't quit my job. I'm still, I'm not on a study break from mm. ANU. But I came here to just relax, settle and deal with my burnout and be refilled and refreshed mm. after many years of service without, without rest. Mm. That's awesome. So the last question I ask everybody is, what inspires you to stay in the Church of the Nazarene? What is it that's keeping you here? Because it's a good, it's a good church. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think it's because I found my place. Mm. I, I found a place where I'm appreciated as a, as a woman and as a minister. Mm. And a place where I am free to be, to be me. Mm. You know, apart from just being a pastor, I am free to be me. I can come in and and just serve the Lord freely without having to feel like I need to keep watching back and looking at who is watching me and, mm. you know, what's going to happen. And it's a church that appreciates the gifts of everyone. Mm. I know we still have people in different places who are still struggling, still in the Church of Nazarene, they're still struggling and, you know, probably feeling that there are obstacles here and there. But I would say we are doing good. Mm. We have some people who are struggling more than we are. Mm. And is a church that is open to having people serve. But then that's not even what kept me because I could be out there and serve uh, with another church that allows me to serve. What has kept me? is a doctrine, is a teaching in the church. Mm. And the, the the embrace of holiness and living a life that glorifies God. Mm. I think for me, that keeps me here. I appreciate the teachings. I appreciate the the devotion to God and the, 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 the you know, people believe with all their heart that you can actually live a, a holy life. Mm. And they aspire to live it. Mm. And for me, that makes a difference because I believe that our world is not going to be changed and transformed by theologians or scholars or people with degrees and masters and ordination certificates. That's not what is going to change our world. We need people with all those things. It's okay to have them. It's okay to have your PhDs. It's okay to have your ordination certificates. But we need people with something different that is more transformational. Mm. And the teaching on holiness, the teaching on living a life devoted to God is what makes a difference. If people can be devoted to God and they can seek to live lives that honor God, that is what is going to change our world. And so I feel like Church of Nazarene has empowered me with something that I may not get anywhere else. You know, the idea of holiness and living a holy life and pursuing that. And that's something I want to hold on to. That is what is keeping me here. If someone had a question for you about your background or context, or maybe somebody has a question about spending some time at Africa Nazarene University, um, where can they reach you? What, how can they contact you? Um, they can get me on email. It's uh, 
El Kimani, like just El Kimani, L K I M A N I, at nts.edu. Great. Yes. And I'm on Facebook, uh-huh. uh, Luz Kimani, so they can find me on Facebook. That's awesome. Well, thank you yes. so much for joining me. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. And uh, it was nice getting to meet you and being in bed. Yeah, I've had fun. <laughs>